0: I traveled down an old gravel lane I saw him through that window pane I thought it was love at first sight But in time I turned it down Something in his furrowed frown Told me the sun
1: Welcome, everybody. This is Richard Sachs, and you're on Lost Arts Radio. We have an incredible show tonight and a great honor to have Priscilla Romans, who's the founder of Care, with us. And I saw her on Alex Jones's show, and we get a lot of uh, excellent guests from Alex, uh, partly because he's got so much to do, and everything's set up in segments between the commercials. And we're not, I guess... Uh, smart enough and strategic enough to be full of commercials. So we got lots of time and we won't be interrupting and we want a chance to look deeply into what Priscilla is doing and what her uh, organization's about. And before we get into that, we'll get into her background and then the situation now that even made uh great care necessary. So welcome Priscilla. It's really a pleasure to talk to you.
2: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
1: Let's, let's start. I want to bring in people. Um, who have no idea what we're talking about, not just talking to the choir, so to speak. And so um, let's go back to before you were involved in this and what you were doing and what were the steps that led up to what you're doing now.
2: Yeah, so um, my background is actually a registered nurse. Um, okay. I was trained in the healthcare field um, up in Illinois, worked for a large healthcare Uh, facility I started out my nursing journey as a pediatric intensive care nurse taking care of the sickest of the sickest babies that had half of a heart um, would come back with an open chest you could see their heart beating and we would help those situations um, navigate through through those really really sick illnesses um, and diagnoses that these uh, kiddos had so my my heart for nursing has just I come from a family of nurses. Um, my grandmother, um, she was actually a nurse, a lieutenant nurse in the Red Cross back in World War II. She actually took care of my grandfather, who got shot and wounded in the Battle of the Bulge. Um, wow. They're both not living today, but they come from a um, from people that wanted to serve others um, in the nursing, and of course, um, with him uh, fighting in the Battle of the Bulge. Um, so that just though their legacy, what they left me with is just knowing there are things people need um, to be cared for. And I just, as I did my journey through the healthcare system, I worked in the at the bedside for a long time. And then I got moved to learning how did the healthcare system get paid and something called utilization review, which was very different because I never knew as a nurse how the hospital, these big systems got paid. It opened my eyes to go, wow. This what's,
1: is- it, what's it called again?
2: It's called utilization review. So what happens is when a person goes into the hospital, the first order that a doctor writes Mm-hmm. is very important it's either going to be observation or it's going to be inpatient but at that time back when I was doing this in 2009 there was about a six to eight thousand dollar difference in terms of the first order and if they got it wrong um, they would the hospital would wow. have the cost
1: because now that's a payment from the insurance company
2: well right because they have to meet criteria if they're under observation status or okay. if they're an in inpatient status because mm-hmm. if you need if if you're an inpatient, what that means is the insurance company is paying because you met criteria, so intensity of service and severity of illness. And there's certain certain checkboxes that the utilization person does to say, yep, they meet criteria, yep, insurance is going to pay for it. And if you're under an observation status, it's paid differently. And a lot of people don't realize this when they're in the hospital. So it was really interesting to me to learn that, to go, well, the patient's never going to know. Like That's right. Yeah. So I actually taught residents how to write their first order. So that way, of course, the patient got the biggest benefit you know, for an in-network inpatient status because it would be cheaper than an observation order. So there was things like that that I learned. And then I got moved to running a hospice program, which is for those that got diagnosed with a terminal illness and understood, wow, this is how this is working. I think opened my eyes again going, wow, this is way different. I didn't know this. Okay. I learned it. Great. And then I got moved again to another part of the industry, which is called population health. And what that is, is um, Medicare was paying really big bonuses out to large healthcare systems um, for keeping patients out of the hospital and not coming to the hospital unnecessarily. So there are patients that don't utilize the emergency room efficiently, right?
3: Mm -hmm. And
2: we want to help teach people this is when to go to the hospital, you know, and not just going for like a regular checkup because a lot of those costs were being eaten up because they didn't, weren't utilizing the system appropriately. So we, I work with um, moderate and high-risk populations and taught them how to better um, work around the, nap, the healthcare system. So that was amazing. It was a good experience. And that was right before I left from Illinois to Texas, and I went to Texas in 2017. I got picked up to do some uh, leadership roles to help build a population health program for a large healthcare insurance company, um, one of the largest. And I never seen that side of healthcare, so I said, "Why not? I'll go look and see." You know what it's about. I lasted probably I think it was about six months. I ended up leaving. Um, and resigning because I got cornered, and they were not happy because I was not following what they wanted me to do. I didn't agree with um, some of the things that were happening at the executive level, and patients were never going to know why their procedure wasn't getting approved by insurance. They were going to be in a cycle of appeals denial, appeals denial, and that to me as a nurse, I was like, "That's sick." These people need want these procedures but insurance is denying them and they don't even understand why they're being denied so that was eye-opening and then my last gig before I decided to leave the full corporate world is I helped run 29 state Medicaid programs for state governments here in the United States uh, for their waste fraud and abuse Um, basically those that use the Medicaid system uh, estates probate there are a lot of waste that are happening within our government agencies. So my job was to identify what was the waste, fraud, and abuse, and to try to bring money back to the Medicaid program so that way it could fund um, and take care of those at, at that income bracket. So mm. really eye-opening. Um, I got frustrated, though, in the corporate world. I never felt like the real patient was really getting what they really needed to know. So my wonderful husband... Um, in 2019, um, as we led up to 2020, um, I kept getting this itch, like I need to do something different. I'm just not happy. I feel like there's more I can do. And, um, we talked about, you know, me, me stepping out and doing advocacy and helping people. Cause I knew so much of how to help navigate and right. people call me all the time and go, Priscilla, my mom's in this situation. What do I do? I'd say, okay, do these three things. Call me back. Let me know if you need some more help. That's all. I would just do that all the time. Right. And um, so we launched Great Care in March of 2020, not knowing how it was going to spiral out of control with this so-called pandemic. Um, and we didn't know that the vaccine push was going to happen, and the remdesivir that's pushed in the hospitals. We didn't know this was going to happen, but. I'm a big spiritual person. And I believe that God did open this door at the right time in March Mm -hmm. of 2020. Um, And it was just me. It was me doing this on the side of my corporate job. And I just did it a little bit at a time. But then I got really, really busy. Mm -hmm.
3: People were handing
2: my name and number out. And I resigned from my corporate leadership job in the beginning of uh, the spring of 2021. And I had to start finding other people like me to join uh, Grave Care. And now they're all advocates on the team and people come to us every single day asking for help, whether it's COVID, whether it's a new cancer diagnosis, maybe it's um, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. They're confused about the 20 medications they're on from the pharmaceutical right. world. Um, we don't care what the healthcare issue is or what age. We just say, all right, let's go to work for you. Let, let's make things happen.
1: Mm-hmm. So... There are a lot of questions that come up from that. It's really a really essential role, you know, because most of the people in the system, as patients, have no idea what's going on. And it's a matter of completely blind faith and authority, right, just the credentials. And they don't understand. And what struck me a lot is that what if people knew the natural alternatives to uh, to the drugs, that which are called medicine, but basically they're toxic chemicals for the most part. called medicine right and in almost every case they cause usually more long-term problems than they solve and Mm -hmm. that that's not in the awareness of most patients at all so correct
2: correct Mm -hmm. and a lot of people come to us for that in particular because now now they're starting to open their eyes and ask more questions so what we call this is like a uh, co-partnering a complementary um we want to there's a way to use allopathic medicine and alternative natural, but you have to understand how to bridge the gap because Mm -hmm. if not, most people go, well, you're a conspiracy theorist, right? You know, there's, there is a individualized plan of care that each person needs for their own body. That's why one protocol or a single payer system is nothing but bad news.
1: Right, 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 exactly. It's just efficient from a corporate point of view, right?
2: Oh, it's very efficient for them. Mm-hmm. They just have to hire robots.
1: Right, yeah, that's where it's going. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Robots are already doing some surgeries and things <laughs> like
2: that. Yeah. yeah, I'm okay if they do my laparoscopy procedure. They do, I mean, they do a great job.
1: Yeah, they if, don't make mistakes usually.
2: R- right, I mean, there we can utilize technology to its greatest benefit, But we need to be aware as humans that those things do fail. And Mm. the person in the white coat doesn't know all the answers, doesn't know you, and doesn't know your God-given DNA. Only you know that. and um, So people have to be empowered to advocate for themselves. And when I say they don't know how to do those things, that's when they need an advocate.
1: Right, exactly. And you mentioned cancer. It's not just um, COVID, right? All kinds of things.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's all sorts of problems. Yes. I mean, talk about the cancer industry alone. Most Mm. people, they get, they get a diagnosis, they fill a lump and they go, Oh, there's something not right. Okay. They Mm -hmm. call their doctor. Doctor gets them in and says, yep, we need to investigate that. We need to get you a biopsy. I say, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow up. First of all, That person needs to know that the biopsy is an option. It is not mandatory. Insurance does drive that because of how insurance pays for things. But many times, if you can get it surgically removed and then the pathology, I would question getting a a biopsy if it's still in you. What if they did that biopsy and whatever was in there spread because of the biopsy?
1: Yeah, but that's common sense, and you're not supposed to have that, right? In, in-
2: no, no, no common sense. No, Don't think, just say yes, and follow what the doctor says, and I say, whoa. And, but yeah. people, the good news is because of this issue from the beginning of it, people are now questioning, and they're starting to feel a sense of urgency to start being proactive, have a plan of care, have mm-hmm. their cabinets filled with the right things, and... Right. It's this is the good part. So I look at it from an optimistic point of view going amen, this is exactly what what is needed. People need to reengage in their healthcare and their doctor does not know everything. They are not God. And so guess what? Congratulations, you're in control of your healthcare.
1: Yeah, that's an incredible idea. And really you're in control of everything of your own life, right? I mean, we've had experts and scientists on who've said, do not try to be in charge of your own you know, situation because you're not an expert. And they don't realize that the experts only know narrow things with certain assumptions that they assume are all true, and they don't even know what most of the assumptions are. Right. You right. Know, for and that's
2: why having an advocate help you develop those questions and say, you know what, we need to ask this. We, yeah. need, to re- we need to relook at this part, because there's more options than, than what they're telling you. And that's what we do with people that come with cancer. We say, do you know about the other options beside the big three, which is cancer, radiation, or chemo? They go, right. what, do you, what do you mean there, there's more options? Yeah. Yeah, there's more options. Do you want to know about them? And mm. some people go, no, that's, that sounds like a conspiracy. It's like, okay, mm. well, when, when you're ready to know, know about it, let me know, because I got a whole host of stuff in my bag, I can tell you.
1: Exactly. And it's <laughs> with cancer, it's really interesting that um, the natural cancer places that did exist in this country have mostly been raided and shut down, especially if they're successful. And there's Absolutely. a long history of that.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and we know they put them out of business for a yeah. reason, because they want people to stay sick and codependent on a broken system. It's the best business model that they have.
1: Yeah, they would definitely call you a radical conspiracy theorist.
2: Yes, for t- I am. We're
1: telling <laughs> the truth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, but guess what? Some of those doctors um, yeah. that are within the system, guess who they call?
1: Yeah, exactly. They, and, and many of them who prescribe chemotherapy would not do that for their own family. That's correct. Interesting. And they've, they're in a really tight position because if they try to do that and tell the truth, they can lose their license.
2: That's right. That's right. They have to be very, they're controlled. And until these physicians and nurses start to break free from the controlled system. They're going to do more harm than good because they can't tell patients certain things. We've had these conversations when we're advocating for people and we've had physicians out of these hospitals. They'll leave the hospital on their way home and call the advocate and say, how did how did you know to ask that? And one of them in particular in
3: 2020
2: Mm -hmm. told me, I am so glad you told the patient that because I can't tell them that. But because you did, I had to tell them I had to inform them.
1: Right, right, right. Well, are they allowed to inform them? Like, are they allowed to let them know that, uh, and I'm sorry to look down, but your picture's down here and the camera's up here. So,
2: Oh, no, that's okay.
1: Um, are they allowed to tell the patients the truth that most of them die from the chemotherapy, not the cancer?
2: Well, they don't, most of them are indoctrinated in the system, right? Mm,
1: right. And they,
2: they worry about their own backs and their own financial, who's paying them.
1: Exactly, and they're. they're I don't
2: know. Yeah, I don't know their their hearts and desire. But any physician who started out, they really wanted to do good. But once they
3: learned what
2: the model of the Medicare medical system is, it came from the Rockefellers. And when you understand their control opposition as to why they wanted doctors to only prescribe pharmaceuticals, right? And. There's a reason, and I just, I just go back to, well, people have that option, fine, go use it. But sure. I say, what, what are your other options? There is a lot of other great options that you should know.
1: Yeah, pros and cons, it's, it's really exciting to talk to somebody like you who's working within the system, but aware of it from a larger context, which yeah. ev- eventually all of them should be. We'll probably need a, a parallel healthcare system you know, as soon as possible.
3: Well,
2: we're going to it. There are people who are already doing it. They're they're not even paying for their regular health insurance anymore. They're going cash price because think about it. A right. lot of the good things that people need, insurance doesn't even cover. So why keep paying? Most of
3: them,
1: yeah.
2: Why keep paying fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars a premium to get really crappy care anyway?
1: Right. And a lot of the really powerful good things are not that expensive.
2: No, they're not.
1: Are you guys aware of a place called Hippocrates Health Institute in Florida?
2: No, I'm not. Mm-mm.
1: Well, when we have time, I need to tell you about that, because um, as part of my work in the university uh, that I was involved in, I interviewed their cancer patients, and many of them with terminal cancer, uh, 10 and 20 years later that were fine. And they're not shut down yet, but they're under attack. And they, they have a lot of conventional doctors helping them. So it's hard to shut them down now. And they're big, but that would wow. be a good resource to know about because they yeah. do, they cure these people, uh, similar to what Rudolf Bruce was doing in Austria. Mm-hmm. You heard of him? Yep. The story is tens of thousands of uh, advanced cancer cases were cured by Rudolf Bruce protocol. Um, most of them people doing it on their own. So it didn't cost anything. And a lot of that is being used similar by Hippocrates in a way that people can deal with it. Yeah. That's one that's not shut down yet. But there's a lot people can do on their own. When people find out about you, uh, what are the steps that they go through to get involved?
2: Yeah, so um, when clients find out about um, what we do here with advocacy, they can call from anywhere, whether it be in the States or international. We have an international advocate as well that understands those cultures. Um, So that's been really great to be able to serve um, even overseas. Um, And people just come, they go to, um, they can download the the QR link um, that we have if they see the screen here, or they can call 469. 864-7149. They can call. um, They'll leave a message. Um, Jennifer will give them a call back. She calls back everybody. Or they can can
1: text. Repeat the number once, please.
2: Yeah. It is 469-864-7149. 7149.
1: 7149, Great.
2: And they just call or text. They say, this is my problem. Um, And then uh, Jennifer will do a screening with them. Um, to match them with the right advocate because there's particular needs. We've got pediatrics, right. we've got all the way to seniors, and we have advocates that have certain backgrounds. So we do what's called a match. We're like the matchmakers. Uh-huh. And then Jennifer will ask, do you want to start off with 60 minutes? Do you want two hours? So we do bundles, either 60 minutes, two hours, four hours, or eight hours. All the pricing is on our great care website. That's G R A I T H care C-A-R-E.com. Mm-hmm. and what people do is they literally can click enroll now on the website it takes them a minute to fill out their information they can pick out the type of advocacy help they want and we call them that way too so there's they can call text and they can enroll online we make it really easy it is an out-of-pocket service um insurance usually doesn't cover this because right, we tell them right. how to be successful
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes and, Terrible uh, we, business model for them.
2: Yeah, we, we I I the one thing is a lot of people it was it was really hard for me to start this business and to have people pay for it. But what I learned is when I had a client call me back um uh early on, he called me back and goes, Priscilla, I would have paid way more for you. He goes, mm-hmm. I have never gotten this help ever. And his cancer is gone. That was from that client, and he is still a client of ours. He'll call when bumps pop up, or he's got a question for his mom, he calls his advocate, and we help. him. So it's a membership. So people could start out with 60 minutes, they could use that 60 minutes over a couple months, they could use it on that same day, they get to decide when they want to trigger and use their time.
1: And, and how do you do it? Is it Skype or zoom? Or? Some format. Uh, like
2: it's fun. usually it's all it's all over the phone. Um, we do do face to face visits if the client wants us to come to see them. Um, you know, there are some of those situations if they're within the area and they go, "Can you come do a face to face? Can you come to the hospital with me and right. uh, be in the ethics meeting?" Yeah, we we can do those things.
1: You would do it even if they're far away, right? If they pay for it.
2: Oh yeah. Yep. we. I just had a client today. Uh, she's on the East Coast. They said, can we fly you in? I said, yeah, it's, it's on the service agreement if you guys want. I mean, it is something that they will pay for, um, right. but it's an option. If people want this, guess what? We do it. We figure it out, but we could do most of the work all over the phone.
1: Okay. Okay. It's really exciting. I mean, we should talk a little bit about the COVID situation since that's Still happening. And and from what I hear, uh, it's about to restart if they get their way.
2: Yeah, it's already restarted. We have hospitals that are um, we're getting reports from that their emergency rooms are getting full. Their ICUs are getting full um, and they are COVID diagnosis. I don't know if they were vaccinated or not or if they've had shedding components,
3: but there there
2: is something happening. Um, and that just started within really the last 24 hours um, before I got on this phone call. Um, our voicemail was getting full text and online enrollments um, just shot up within the last few hours. Wow. And so um, my intake specialist is uh, extremely busy.
1: I can imagine. Now, before the vaccine started, there were certain areas that had uh, outbreaks of syndrome patients, where they couldn't get oxygen into the lungs, and the lungs worked fine. But that barrier between the blood and the uh, capillaries in the lungs and the oxygen itself, something was blocking that. And there's a lot of different ideas about what that was. What do you guys think at this point?
2: Yeah, so when people have respiratory distress um, with these and with initial triggers, um, it was just because they weren't getting the right treatment off of the back. Um, that, that was, it was, they were giving low dosing of steroids. They needed the higher dose. Mm -hmm. Um, they needed a nebulizer, uh, bumesidide or pomacor is a really good option to use that helps what's called the cytokine storm that's happening in the lungs. The right. inflammation that happens within the lungs creates the respiratory distress. And if you don't get that under control, that's where people need higher amounts of oxygen. So one of the ways to decrease that issue is of course you we, we can get oxygen to the home. We can oh. get a nebulizer. We can
3: right.
2: get there's stuff we can do right in the home. We do that all the time. And people go. I don't have to go to the emergency room. Uh, yeah, you probably don't want to go to the emergency room. If we can avoid There's, it, let's yeah. avoid it. Yeah. Um, so, so it's the cytokine storm, in my opinion. Um, I, I do think this is a bioweapon that has been used. It was created with gain of function, and yeah. this, it, it, this is very nefarious as to what happened. I don't. I'm not a scientist. I just use common sense, and I say. Okay, they're having respiratory problems. We need to address that because we, we go yeah. with three things in, in my training. Airway, yeah. breathing, and circulation.
3: Right. And you got to right. get
2: that airway under control because you can't do anything with the bleeding and circulation if you can't breathe.
3: That's so right.
2: there's ways of we focus. I come from an, uh, a background in the intensive care. So you have to address primary issues first. In order to get to the secondary issues. Mm -hmm. So we focus on those things. We help and collaborate with physicians all over the country. Um, Even with the worst ego doctors that you could ever imagine, Mm -hmm. um, we've dealt with them. We fired them. And uh, I really hope some of them never go back to practice.
1: (laughs) Sounds exciting. It's exciting. When the vaccines got started, there was a whole new issue. Because now with so many people having had them, there's all kinds of reactions. I mean, hundreds at least have been listed of different negative effects. What are you able to do for people in that situation?
2: Yeah, so we're getting those. We've gotten teachers, nurses, physicians, um, grandparents that were told they were high risk. The family was split. Some family said, no, I don't want to have my parents get the vaccination. The other part was like, we we have to. We, they're high risk. They're seniors. Uh-huh. They've got it, and congratulations. They've got issue after issue after issue, and right. there's no cure from what I'm hearing in our within our network. No no actual cure because you can't suck the vaccine or whatever these ingredients are out of you. So what you can do is address it in terms of a. Um, it's, it's This is a gene-altering ingredient that is put in your body, okay? And yeah. if you alter your genes, you've got to figure out at the cellular level, how do you fix it? So a lot of people are throwing a lot of great things at it for their immune system and boosting their immune system, going to get IV glutathione, high dosing of uh, vitamin C, which are great things for pro-oxidants, um, anti-inflammatory, NAC, IV... These are great things we can suggest and find options for people, either a mobile unit to go to the home or to go to an office. If they can get out of their home, there are ways to mitigate some of those issues. There are also deep detox that you can also do, too, as well as getting a swab for what is your current DNA look like after Mm -hmm. post vaccination and addressing what is going on on your DNA for the analysis and being told, here are some of the, the the deficiencies that are popping up that you need to address because if you don't address them, what's going to happen is it's going to turn into advanced disease.
1: Right. So that's like becoming a genetically susceptible person to things that wouldn't affect you before.
2: Yeah. Yet they change their they change their altered their DNA. So right. I I can't I don't the one thing GraveCare care does not know that your audience needs to know. I don't write prescriptions and I don't diagnose. It is not my licensing. I am an advocate. I just happen right. to know a whole heck of a lot of things that I can help navigate. So it's like going to a good mechanic and you're like, my car's having issues and you trust that mechanic to not screw you over, right? right. And to tell you right. the truth instead of fixing everything in the car, right? right. So That's what a good advocate does for you. So I'm going to be able to provide or my advocates will say, these are some of the options you need to know about. And your current doctor is probably not going to tell you those things because he's the one that told you to go get the vaccination to begin with. It's a conflict of interest for them to tell you you have a potential vaccine injury.
1: That's right. That's right. In addition, most of the doctors now are being told by computers what a diagnosis is and what the treatment is.
2: <laughs> oh, no, we've had that conversation. There was a resident, oh, this was too funny.
1: What? I
2: literally, I knew it was going to pop up on their screen for the, for. I said, what's the diagnosis? And he told me, I said, let me guess what you're going to do. And I told him, and he goes, how would you know? I said, because I know it pops up on your screen. I said, yeah. and he goes, what? And I said, yeah. I think there's probably another diagnosis we probably need to look at. What do you think about this doctor? He goes, mm. Oh, that's a good option. I said, yeah, don't you think he goes, yeah, that will be good. I said, great. Can you put it on the chart? He goes, yeah. And then I said, okay, oh. so you put that diagnosis on the chart. Can we get this order for the patient? And he goes, Oh my God,
3: you know <laughs> what to do.
2: I said, yeah, because everything is driven from the diagnosis that they just gave you because that's how insurance directs your care. It's insurance-driven care. It's not individual, individualized patient care. So the model has got really screwed up. So if people don't understand how to navigate that, honestly, you're kind of screwed.
1: Yeah, and, but you're finding some doctors are actually uh, shocked into thinking, wow, well, maybe we could do what makes sense instead of... Oh, yeah, they it. love it.
2: Oh, I had one doctor go well, that was a
1: really good idea.
2: Thank, thank you for <laughs> that. And I was like, yeah, I just, yeah, I think it's a really good option, right, doctor? And I knew what he could and could not say, but I knew how to help him enough in order to advocate for my patient. Because at the end of the day, I don't work for them. I work for my patient.
3: Right. And I've got to
2: be smart enough of how to protect them the best way I know in order to get them out of that hospital and back home.
1: Right, and not be killed in the process. That's right. And ideally, I mean, the doctor is supposed to work for the patient too, right? It just yeah, that, Yeah, that. They,
2: they don't. They don't. They work for the healthcare system. They get paid every two weeks. They get paid the same way. And you know what? These, ho- these doctors in these hospitals don't even make that much money. People think these doctors make a lot of money. They don't uh-huh. make a lot of money. I'm telling you. And they're, and they're malpractice. I mean, they yeah. just need to go back. They, doctors are not business people. They follow orders. They got told right. to medical school. They have no clue what to say for you. nutrition. Honestly, some of them absolutely suck. And remember some of the medical doctors that are your doctor in front of you, they graduated last in their class. So there's that too. They're still medical yeah. doctors.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's come a long way from being a common sense type system based on experience and intuition and insight before, you know, you mentioned the Rockefeller Foundation. Rockefellers in Carnegie, I think it was, did the uh, 1910, what was that, study that they did that uh, got rid of all the natural doctors that they could and funded the ones that would do the, their drug system. Okay. And their brilliant idea was, if we could dominate medicine and have the medicine make people sick, that would be fantastic. Yeah. We would never run out of income.
2: Yeah, no, they will never run out of income if people continue to buy in to their lives. Right. And, and and it will co- it has not will it has cost people their lives and it's going to continue. Yeah. And the kids that are going to get some of these experimental vaccinations, wow. it is going to change. It look, it's not going to be rare if that child gets a vaccine injury or dies. It's not it's never rare when it's your child. And it is going to yeah. be startling to a parent that has an awakening, that now has a child, that can't go to school, that can't get out of bed, that is mm-hmm. paralyzed, that has myocarditis. I'm yeah. telling you, it changes their life. And they'll call us saying, what do I do? My pediatrician isn't even thinking. And I think I think this is happening because of this. I said, well... You need a new new pediatrician. And thank God I have a list of pediatricians that we can help mm-hmm. navigate and say, here's a better option. These people are gonna help you. Right. Because I still yeah. I need good doctors. Advocates need good oh, doctors yeah. to because I need them to properly diagnose and I right. need them to properly treat.
1: You're you're on such a big project. I mean, the obvious part is helping to wake up the patients or potential patients. But another big part is waking up the doctors, because they're yeah. the ones just following orders, making mm-hmm. the system do what it does, even if it was directed in a nasty way, which it is, if they didn't go along with it, it wouldn't happen. You know?
2: well, and you know why that you know why that's happening what What happened years ago in, in within the physician movement. There was a lot of independent primary care offices all across the country. Many mm-hmm. of them. They were independent. They weren't a part of any large healthcare system. What right. then happened is these large healthcare systems were like, oh, we want to make it easy for our patients. So we're going to go and, and make have all of these independent practices, push them out and say, You better be with us, large healthcare system, because right. we are you're reform you're we are your referral source. We are going to refer patients to you because you're a part of our network. It's going to make the patient experience awesome. You're going to be all connected on this amazing, epic EMR system that many,
1: right? Right, right.
2: Are. We're going to be all connected. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to be like a family. But then, once some of those physicians started giving some of the right treatment and then they got their hands slapped and they realized, whoa, I am in a controlled place, I can't practice the way I want to practice. Right. And if now if I leave and break contract, I have to leave the place I know and all the patients that I've been taking care of for 30, 40 years, I have to leave hundreds of miles away because of the cr- the contract they sign. They are mm-hmm. controlled and some of them are slow to waken up. And I got to tell them, they better get it together because they're going to be held yeah. accountable because they're continuing to buy into the lies.
1: Wow. So what happens when more people start hearing about your service and you need to get bigger. What What's your plan?
2: Well, we're, we're, we're I would say we're already big. I mean, I'm up 300% within the last, uh, since November, I think it right. is. Right. So, I mean, we're, we're very busy. <clears throat> um, and I just say we outwork the problem. And that's what we do. I mean, I have a a number of new advocates coming on board with great backgrounds. And we're, look, we've got, I've got physical therapists on the team. I've got naturopathy backgrounds on the team. Mm. I've got nurse backgrounds, pediatrics, adults. We are a large team and growing even within international waters. And I say we outwork the problem because the patient, the person's need in front of us, is the most important, and um, we're gonna we're just we're reversing the problem. We're we're going back to the root of what the problem is, and we know what the big system's doing. A lot of people that come to us though, they don't even know how to unravel this, and right. we go back to the basics. One of the number one questions that I love to ask people is, "What is your greatest worry and concern? What is mm. that?" Okay, and it's really important because we need to identify that because we can't fix all the other problems without identifying what is that great, greatest worry and concern?
1: And you know where they're coming from emotionally. If you do that too, yep. you can tailor the discussion. How many people are coming to you asking about the vaccine before they get it versus I mean, after?
2: Not a lot right now, but last summer, um, last spring and summer when the mandates were really heavy out there in these large healthcare um, uh, systems and uh-huh. then it trickled down to a lot of the other businesses. This where people were calling us saying, "Hey, can you help us fill out um, an exemption form?" And we would help people fill that out and help okay. them navigate as to what to say and do in the corporate world because people have to be very smart with how they communicate their private information. It is none of their employer's business what they're doing for their me- what what they're doing for their medical choices right. and yeah. um. So we help people with those tools, but we're not getting a lot of calls right now um, before vaccination because the ones we're getting now have already been double jab, boosted. Some are now getting the fourth booster.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah, I I think the magnitude of the vaccine scam is really hard to grasp, you know, because if uh, when I looked into it, it took a long time and I went back to Jenner you know in the uk in 1796 or something i can't find any reliable evidence of vaccines preventing disease at all <laughs> and, but i, I can totally find agree. a lot of evidence do you you don't think i'm insane right for saying oh
2: well i know you're not insane and here's where i here's where i had to have that change mind um look all of my kids were vaccinated i i was I was a nurse. I, be- I was a pediatric nurse. I believe right, right. the vaccine schedule. I was like, yep, we're doing this. Yep. But as soon as I, all of this pandemic stuff really started to open my eyes going, wait a minute, why are we doing this? Okay, wait, what is safe and effective mean? What do you mean <laughs> the science? Oh, you know, yeah. so I've, I've had, it's like I'm in a recovery program in, in itself yeah. unraveling yeah. In the midst of trying to do this work, going, oh, my God, I can't believe I believe this. And yeah. I want to tell people yeah. to have hope, even if you're running into nurses and physicians that are brainwashed. I, I believed everything the system told me years, years ago.
1: Yeah, I did. And it's not it's not called brainwashing. It's called education
2: yeah and mm-hmm. I, right now i'm at such a good place mentally spiritually um i no longer pay into the big the big uh health care insurance um industry as well i am right. free i have broken free from all of that and i want to give people hope to know there are yeah. better options and you can do this
1: right and you're not beating yourself up about falling for it before
2: Oh, no. Why do that? I mean, that's just a waste of energy. You've got to let those things go.
1: That's right. But but that's something that a lot of people don't get yet that you can share with them. Right. Oh, absolutely. Once once they find out.
2: Yeah. You know, what's so nice about advocacy and what I love is one of the things I get to do that is so it's near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm a preacher's kid.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Um, I, I grew up uh, as an old-fashioned uh, gal. Um, I actually put my th- think my first pair of jeans on when I was eighteen or nineteen. <laughs> okay. I, I grew up very old school, and um, I believe in the power of prayer. And um, if our if our clients need prayer, guess what? We pray. We've prayed right in the hospital rooms. That's
1: included in your service, right?
2: Absolutely, we meet people where they're at. I don't beat them over the head with it. They don't need it. Fine, no. I don't do it.
1: Well, it doesn't always have to be audible either. I mean, you can be doing it anytime. One oh, of the, I'm really interested, I mean, we have a lot to talk about in a short time, but um, I'm really interested in how prayer and, and focus and connection to God actually change physical things. And one of the interesting things, kind of on a quantum physics level, is the emotion that you put into it rather than just saying the words of a prayer if what you're feeling and the depth of it when you do that seems to be a essential point in what the effect is going to be. And there have been experiments done with this where if you're able, and I know this is a hard thing to actually do, but it's really worth it, I, I think we need to, is if you can put yourself in the feeling of something already done Instead of saying, please give it to me, please give it to me, because the energy on a frequency level that you're putting out is saying, I don't have it. That's why I need you to please give it to me. Whereas if you say, and not just say, the words, no magic words, it's the feeling in it, and you get the feeling out of practice, this is already done, and how do I feel that this is granted? And that emotion is totally different. Yeah. And that's what's talked about moving mountains and things.
2: Well, and and you and you said the right word. It's frequency and what it's people down. need. And what I've discovered over the last couple of years is people have low frequency and high frequencies. Mm-hmm. Okay, and right. if they have a low frequency as well as a a, a pH that's acidic, actually right. that is more prone to advanced disease, right? And anything else. So if you have a very a low frequency level, there are ways to correct that. And speaking positive, and like I tell, like a few weeks ago, we had a client come to us uh, very sick. Um, She was a nurse actually and probably had had shedding. She did not have the vaccine, but she'd worked in the facility. She was very sick. She was having trouble walking. Uh, She had neurological issues and um, she ended up getting COVID as well however you want to label what COVID is, you know?
3: So um,
2: one thing she said, I could hear it in her voice. It was very negative tone. It was Mm -hmm. very, everything was very negative. And I said,
3: despair and things like that. Yeah,
2: it was despair. It was, (laughs) my life is over. And I said, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you want to live?
1: That's a really important question.
2: She goes, oh. (laughs) nobody's asked me that. I said, well, what's the answer? Do you want to live? She goes, well, yeah. I said, honestly, I'm going to tell you right now. You don't sound like you want to live. Right. And if you want to live, you need to start speaking it. You need to start. It, it is that manifestation of those frequently frequency levels. That's and, right. And it is so powerful. Even if you're not a prayerful person, say things like I'm going to get better. I'm going to feel better today. I am going to take all of my supplements today. I am go- I am going to do this.
1: You and can say you're not praying, but those are your prayers.
2: Exactly. But a lot of people aren't comfortable with those things. So that's oh, the transitional phase that good advocates do for people. Um, some of my advocates are not uh, like me with that. I just come from that background. I'm very comfortable in that. Yeah. And that's where we say we have to meet people where they're at because we're getting some very fractured people coming to us. They're broken. Yeah. And and so that's where they need somebody to get them back into the mindset of, look, you are in control of this mess. Here's some things you can do. Let's get back in control. Because think about it. When people are in more control, their frequency levels are higher. When they feel out right. of control, they just, they can't even focus.
1: Yeah. It's so exciting that you know all about that. And frequency, like you're not saying, frequency, you know, what's that? Most people wouldn't relate to that. It's a really deep issue. And I think if you're looking for a way to repair DNA and fix incurable things, and I mean, the mRNA, synthetic mRNA is not the only ingredient in the shots. They're designed to be so destructive. But I think if you don't have a physical remedy, like, you know, take this herb and it'll fix the whole thing, which is not realistic in this case. Um, frequency gets to the foundation of everything. And I think if we get good enough at projecting it, you know, which means we have to start by letting it into us, into our consciousness, right? And kind of take over. And then whatever that is, you you shed that and direct it. And I think that might overcome even the worst bioweapon. haven't demonstrated it yet, but I think that's probably going to be the answer.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a large combination approach. So I give yeah. people we've had a lot of people call us because te- people tend to get fixated on one thing. OK, so right, I'll give you a couple right. examples. They one example is when a person's in the hospital, they got diagnosed with COVID, they've been respiratory distress, they need high levels of oxygen. They put them on yeah. the COVID protocol.
4: And right. the first
2: doctor goes, well, remdesivir is one of the things we use to help you. And that right. patient knows because they've been educated. Oh, I don't want that. Okay. So uh-huh. they feel like, oh, yes, I, yes, I'm not getting remdesivir. The doctor knows this is great. But then they get the next medication. That's actually not good for them.
3: Right. right? There's right. another
2: okay. line. And I say, people stop focusing just on remdesivir. This is the whole picture
3: here. Right, right. Like it's
2: not over. So that's one instance from the hospital perspective. The other is ivermectin.
3: So we get yeah. calls
2: and they'll go, I'm not feeling very good. I've been taking ivermectin. I'm like, right. okay, what else are you doing? What's the dose?
3: Uh-huh. How
2: often are you taking it? Right. And i will I took it last month. And I'm like, yeah, how much oh. do you weigh? And I said, do you know the guidelines of this off-label medication? And they go, no, I said, it's not a magic pill. I said, you got to take it the right way, the right dosing. And you've got to do it with the multi-drug approach and the multi-supplement approach. That's going to be effective to kick right. that open in the butt. So you avoid a hospital visit. And they go, well, nobody told me that. I said, yeah. well, look, stop getting fixated on one thing.
1: Right. Right. And and that attitude of of single focus is not as prevalent if the frequency goes up.
2: Yeah,
1: they'll be yeah. more open to common sense.
2: Well, yeah, and that frequency, you know, like tell people like a good example is like you know, and you, like let's say um, you go to a concert and you're like this yeah. concert's gonna be awesome. You're around a ton of people, everybody's jumping up and down. You've got this, yeah. Like, you're like energized. You're like this is amazing. All these people are just. They're they're excited, they're going for it. This is this right. is the best. That is high right. frequency. That's what you should feel like.
1: That's exactly that's what you want to learn to generate.
2: That's what you want to learn to generate. Now, what I tell people, even even my my teenagers, I'll ask them, I'll say, well, tell me, how do you feel with the group of friends that you're with? Yeah, And there was one group that was actually very negative. And I could get I could grab that from my teenager going, you know, you seem really negative after you're done, like, hanging out with them. Yeah. And I said, but this other group you're going to, man, you're, like, so jacked and energized. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you feel that, too? And he's like, actually, I, I do. He goes, I actually kind of felt dumber being around some of these other people. And I right. said, yeah, those probably aren't the people to hang out with. <laughs>
1: That was brilliant. You know, <laughs> you notice the the symbols that they're selling on the shirts and everything—the satanic symbols and the skulls and all. I mean, that's not by it's not because it's a great marketing idea. It's because it has a downward frequency effect.
3: Yes.
2: Oh, it's so satanic. It is so evil. I mean, it's so predatory on our minds. Even the lyrics and music. I I, I had uh, there was a song one of the kids was listening mm-hmm. to. And, you know, it was a beat that I used to listen to when I was, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I said, yeah. I got it. Like, let's print out these words. I want you to actually read what they're saying. And right. when you read it, you go, oh, wow, that is really sick. That is what they're feeding into these young kids'
3: minds.
1: It becomes a mantra,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right, which has a certain frequency to it mm-hmm. that that drags you downward, makes it heavier. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to be aware of that, that you're letting them know and they could say, wow, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
2: It's exciting. Overall, with advocacy, I, one, I'm glad to be out of the corporate world. um, Yeah. yeah. I never, I was always frustrated as a leader going, oh, they are just not helping people. And now I feel like some of the results and the miracles that we've seen, it's outstanding. Um, I wish. We could save everybody. We get some that are extremely, extremely sick. Right. Um, at six, seven weeks into a hospital stay, wow. um, uh, it's very hard to reverse some of the things that have been detrimental to these, to these bodies. Right. And um, uh, I wish we could save everybody. Um, I, I don't have a magic wand for every situation.
1: Yeah. But a lot of them can be reversed. And yeah. And are, are you letting people know that the whole PCR diagnosis thing is a complete scam. It's not not just the wrong cycles. It's not a diagnostic test. And I think it's hard for a lot of the doctors to grasp that. They say, well, how many cycles? Aha, it's 40 cycles. You know, there's false positives. There can't be false positives in a non-test.
2: Yeah. Look, people are obsessed with testing still.
1: Yeah, and they'll go, Oh my
2: god, I got it, I did a test, I'm COVID positive. And yeah, I go, bad. like, are you okay? Like, you sound very excited to get a diagnosis. Right.
3: And,
2: and, and instead of, I mean, that's what people do. They're they're excited when they got a diagnosis. And I said, Well, what if it's a misdiagnosis? Do you know how many times that happens? A lot. People get misdiagnosed all the time. The PCR test are nothing but a farce. They, they, they're they not in, actually intended to diagnose for these things, in my opinion. If well, in the inventor's
1: go- opinion, he agrees with you.
2: Yeah, I know. And, and so I just say, look, if you want to go test, put something... Yeah. Uh, what do it, whatever. Uh, like, I'm not going to stop you or convince you if that's what you feel like you need to do. But I still go back to what are your signs and symptoms? And what are you right. doing in order to boost your immune system? And if mm. all you want to do is be like a prolific PCR nasal, I have, we've had people where they've ordered 20 plus kits for their home, and would oh. be testing every single day, all the family members. Wow. Can you imagine, the li- like, they're literally living in fear.
1: Yeah, and I mean, they think if they follow orders completely enough, it's going to be better.
2: Yeah, I'm like, so what is the PCR test going to do to, like, help you actually get better, even if you were to get sick? What is right. it going to do?
1: Nothing. Yeah. Well, the other big question with the testing is jamming those uh, sticks up almost to your brain, right? Cripple from the yeah. plate. That yeah. barrier.
2: Yeah, the ETO and some of those, um, uh, some of the things that they're saying is on some of these swabs. When people look at it, um, I've seen oh, it where
1: under it, under the microscope you can see stuff.
2: Yep, we I've heard that too. Um, I've never seen it myself. And what I tell people again, you're putting something in your body that's probably not even needed to begin with. So stop mm-hmm. with with the acidine PCR t- test. Go back to your, what signs and symptoms are you having, right? right? Make sure you're doing the right thing for your immune system. If you are having respiratory distress, you need to hop on it before you get so sick. And we have to try
3: to
2: resolve that because people that do get very low oxygen um, saturations, at some point, they're going to become at high risk for strokes, blood clots, a lot of other issues. So, People need to get the necessary uh, right treatment early on, um, because if you delay your care, it's going to be a lot more costly. And I'm not even talking about the financial aspect. I'm talking about your life.
1: Right. Are you saving people in some cases from uh, being killed by ventilators?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we know how to, uh, um, you know, you could go to our Rumble channel. Um, great care as a rumble channel we're putting testimonials there's a a couple stories on there Um, uh, one of them is the sheriff um, jones um, out of a texas uh, area we we were their advocate they've given us uh, rights to be able to talk about their story but he was when he we initially got him up and going he was on a ventilator for a very long time if you look at their Um, case uh, he was on a very high peak setting this hospital wouldn't even place in an arterial Line Which we can get better information from to help advocate. They right. were, they were not doing the right things. Um, we That's
1: impressive that he survived it.
2: Yeah, he survived. He's home. We just did a testimonial. He talks about, um, he's at, at home on oxygen. Um, he's still very weak. He still has a lot of things that we're helping them with. Uh, For their transitions of care, because not only do you need to get out of the hospital safely, but there's things you need to understand what to do to keep yourself out of the hospital. When you get these sick diagnoses and you've been in the hospital for months, you are at high risk for readmission. You don't want to go back to the hospital.
1: Yeah, good point. Um, Yeah, that's that's good. Had he had vaccines? No. Wow, that's good. So that gives him a better chance.
2: Yeah, we, we had to do some, um, the, the PEEP was so high. Uh, what I've seen by PEEP, on the ventilator, there's a PEEP number. And they, they can range kind of like five. Sometimes it, it's as high as 16. Um, you want a low PEEP number is what you want. Um, but what the this these people, this pulmonary doctor kept doing, they would leave the PEEP at 16. And as soon as we heard that, we said, how long has he been on that for? They told us, I said, his saturation and his numbers, we need to drive that down. You're going to start to blow out his lungs. He's going yeah. to need chest tubes next. And guess what happened? The next morning, blew out his lungs. He had to have chest tubes. I think he oh. had multiple chest tubes because of this issues, because of the high peak pressures. He didn't need a high peak. His numbers did not His numbers did not require that. But these why, don't you,
1: people, why don't you explain what peak means?
2: So the, the peep pressure is in the lungs. It's going to help keep the lungs open and expand Okay. You so need a, a higher peep um, for, for more expansion. Remember when you have a COVID diagnosis, remember that cytokine storm we talked about? The cytokine storm is that inflammation happening within your lung fields. That has to be calmed down because if it's not, your lungs are going to continue to scar. Kind of like if you were to ride your bike and fall, you get a yeah. scar on your knee and it gets hard and it's really, it's really tight. That's what happens in your lungs when you're so sick and you've got this inflammation. So you get yeah. this scarring, and your lungs become really stiff. They're not nice and pliable when you're breathing. When people are sick for so long and on a ventilator for so long, their lungs get, get very stiff. Well, right. one of the ways that People, they help with the oxygenation is higher PEEP levels. But this individual at the time, he didn't need those PEEP levels. There was no vital sign or indication. The doctor would just not budge. Well, we fired him. <laughs> we fired people, him. People and, don't
1: know they can do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can fire. We fired him and we got a better doctor. That next doctor weaned down, we got him adjusted. He got, you know, the trach. Um, and we were able to get him uh, moved to a rehab and got out of there. I mean, there's a lot of issues still that he's going to have to deal with. And you can watch the video and see how his malnutrition is. It, right. I mean, his legs, there's, there's not a lot of muscle mass on this. because, he, And you look at his before pictures as he was a sheriff. Right. I just, it's unbelievable what happened to this gentleman. And he is a true testament to that inner strength. To
1: staying alive. He had the will to live. Hmm. It seems like people with this kind of experience would start talking to you about connected issues too that are outside of regular healthcare. I mean, I can imagine once people start really listening to what you're sharing, they'd say, wait a minute, my kids are learning this stuff in school. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. I'm, I'm well, sure people must have brought that up.
2: Oh, with the, with the schools alone, I mean, here we're on the bridge um, of kids going back to school here for the fall. Right. And, um, a lot of parents, we got a call earlier today, um, a mom decided that she was no longer going to do any vaccinations for her kid. She said, She said, you know what, I've been researching this now. I don't want it. She goes, I went to my pediatrician office. I needed them to, to fill out the, um, to sign it for the religious on forms for the school so that right. we, the school then could say yep they can come we see the waiver the pediatrician called the mom back and said well you know we're not going to sign it we need to talk to your minor child about why she she doesn't want vaccines and the wow. mom went, what like what are you going to do and talk to my minor child
1: they're trying about- to normalize this
2: that's right that's right and they're making it normal. They're going to fear what they do in these counseling sessions. Uh-huh. Is they will fear the parents to go. You know what? If they get, if they don't do this, they here's they could get very sick. They never talk about the adverse reactions of these or the potential seriousness of these. Right? right. But and they it's not
1: look, even not even true that it's going to keep them from getting sick.
2: Well, well, correct, and we we know that. But these parents are starting to shift their their frame of mind. But they're trying to get these. Yeah. For their kids to go back to school. And she goes, Well, I don't even know what to do. She goes, They won't let my kid go back to school if I don't get this sign from the pediatrician. But what do I say to the pediatrician? I said, You need to be very smart about how you proceed next. Because the type of pediatrician you're going to see is within a large healthcare system. And guess what that large healthcare system sets? They set the pace. For all those pediatrician offices to meet certain requirements of all their PEDS patients, they need to hit certain what's called a value-based thing in terms of we have so many of our pediatrician pedi- pediatric patients that are vaccinated.
1: Well, a lot of the pediatricians make most of their money on vaccines.
2: That's, that's correct. It's really amazing. But- well, it, it's it's it, again it's controlled. And what I told her is, you need to be very careful with how you proceed because what happens if you look like you're non-compliant or you're refusing something?
3: Uh-huh.
2: They will track it on the electronic medical record. And every right. large hospital in in America is on an EMR system. They yeah. track the non-compliance people. And guess what? I my personal thought on. How they're going to track that and use it? It will end up feeding into a social credit score. They'll go, "Oh, these people didn't get their vaccine. Yeah, oh,
1: yeah, yeah. These
2: people didn't fill their stat medications. Guess what? We can't allow them to go shopping.
1: Right, exactly. Think I'm crazy and, when I but we can, we can. We can't allow them to be visited by CPS though.
2: That's correct, and that is exactly why they, these parents need to be very sharp, and they need to advocate for for these kids because if they get Place in the CPS system. There's been some really bad, bad, bad things that are going on in those situations, and I would say you need to do everything to protect your child.
1: Right, I totally agree. And if you have one of those counseling sessions where they talk privately with the child, it's a great chance to tell them they're the wrong gender, too.
2: (laughs) Yeah, let's let's confuse the child more. I would say you should never allow a conversation to be had with your child without you present. And,
3: yeah.
1: and,
2: and they need to defend their child. There is no conversation that needs to happen at that point with them requiring that. That is absolutely.
1: Even with the parent present, it's dangerous because you've got an authority figure telling the child that mm-hmm. the parent is wrong. Yep. That, that's, even- ex-
2: that, that's exactly right. And um, for me and what what I've done, even with my own children, I called the school. I said, are there any vaccination clinics that are going to be presented um, at the school? Do you guys have any information on that? I would like to just ensure I
3: was like,
2: I want to know my kids still go to public school. It's it's great school. Everything's good. But guess what? I don't take anything for chance. It is. You can't. a A,
1: A lot of the private schools are corrupted at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah. Pro- look, probably it's best for me to homeschool my kids, but um,
1: I, you're a little I, busy.
2: Yeah, I'm a little busy. And um, we've we've we have taught our kids. There's only two things to control in life. It's our own actions and our own attitude. They understand uh-huh. what is their backup plan. If a teacher says X, Y or Z, right. they, we 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 do these exercises because you should be preparing your children for things.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because the government is pushing this stuff now, too. And the government is following orders from above it. And they're getting that's why they push drag queen story hour, and all these uh gender change clinics and all the things you can do now without your parents knowing.
2: Yeah, it's a and, little different than Mr. Rogers, right? With the sweater.
1: I think Mr. Rogers was better. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right who knows he could have been he could have been part of that what, what they call unless
1: it, he like, was undercover right
2: right he's probably CIA anyway <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well I just think it's fantastic what you're doing and it should lead to a big um acceleration of the change to an alternative civilization and it sounds like you would know somebody named uh Michelle Routon.
2: I love her. She is amazing. She is. I I met her after I moved down here to uh, Texas. And I am so thankful for some of these patriot warriors out there. She is the go-to person for birthing plans. I wish I would have known her when I had my four kids. She is. Anybody should get a hold of her. They can do a phone consult with her on a birthing plan. I send people to her because I trust her so much.
1: Good, Good. Yeah, she's been on the show multiple times so I thought she was great.
2: Oh, she's amazing. You she's guys would be
1: na- you would be natural allies, I think.
2: Yeah, we, we we are we are we decided that we're probably too much alike to really like totally work together because we're so type A strong
3: with
1: yeah.
2: individuals, but we 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 connect and say, "Hey, do you have anything for this? Do you have oh,
1: anything good, for this?" I mean, good, good.
2: We have to come together. We've got to unite.
1: So what's the uh, bottom line for somebody to remember out of all this stuff if they're feeling pretty discouraged and physically bad and, you know, when your body is bothering you, it's hard to have a high-frequency-grade attitude. And they've got all these authorities saying, if you don't do A, B, and C, you don't care about your family, you know, you're a terrible person, and uh, forget about all the conspiracy theories. What What can you say to give them some fresh air and you know i expand the vision a little bit
2: yeah one thing i would ask those people is what do you want what do you want what is that greatest fear and and let's talk about that let's focus on that first because we can remove some of those fears that's going to help increase the frequency and get the control back to the individual once right. we get control back to the individual, we can do some really powerful things. And um, so we got to start at the basics and that love and compassion we give people. Sometimes people have never been able to divulge some of the stuff that they tell an advocate. Right. Because their doctor doesn't even have time for them. Right. So we yeah. really want to unfold what's going on. We want to meet them where they're at. We don't care what they've done, what they've, what, what they've thought about this whole mess. All we right. care about is let's focus on on getting them back on track. Uh, the healthcare system sucks. And we do yeah. say you need to get an advocate. And that's the best recommendation I can give, I would say at least do 60 minutes, be proactive, don't wait till a crisis happens.
1: What's the version that somebody can do and get something from it if they don't have any money?
2: So we're working on um, an option uh, for that. So right now, what people can do, you can have somebody sponsor you. Actually, we have lots of people that are cannot financially um, pay for a a package. Mm -hmm. Um, They will have somebody sponsor them. So we have uh, sponsored membership, which is great. Um, And that is an option. Uh, somebody in their family, a friend, somebody from church, they can sponsor other people. So that's number one. You can do that. We have a lot of great people that are doing that today. Um, the other thing that we're going to be working on, um, and uh, if any of your listeners have that power of prayer, um, we're looking at a, a nonprofit um, option uh, because we do have a lot of people that will call and say, hey, can we donate?
3: And right, right. I
2: don't have that capability because you there's certain – we need. We, I do want to follow the books with that because there are a lot of people that are not happy with what I'm doing and they would probably like to come after me if I yeah. did anything wrong. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, I like to be very smart with how we proceed. If that's a door that opens, um, we are working to see if that option will work. So then we will open that up because there's a lot of people that are doing great with their health and wellness, but they want to be able to donate to help other people that are financially strapped and they can't, such as veterans, wow. such as service members, so um, do you have so
1: what kind of a legal structure do you have right now?
2: Um, I you know I've got an attorney, I have a CPA. Um, we've had some great people that we've actually helped that actually um, knew this was something, and they've come to us saying, "Hey, we we want to we want to help you look at this option." So, it I think it's just one of those. God things because I actually Mm -hmm. tabled it um, a handful of weeks ago. I said, you know what? I I don't, I just don't have the time or the energy to do the right thing with this yet. We will go after this when the right door opens. And we're
1: looking
3: looking
2: at that. I wonder
1: wonder if you might uh, eventually benefit with a nonprofit structure, the 501c3. Yeah.
2: That's what we have an individual that has come to us um, because we've, we've helped save them. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, they have, yeah. they have that level of expertise and said, I, I would like to help. I would like to help look at this option for you. I understand how these things work. So okay. we're, we're going to look at it because we do get a lot of calls like that. And, um, the burden is really real. I've given a ton of, I have probably done a lot of free advocacy, um, right, but yeah. I've got to stay financially viable as a small business owner.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: in terms of taking care of my overhead and being able to pay my advocates. Cause the one thing people got to know is when I started this, one of the things I was determined to do was to not get a business loan in order to start this business. Mm -hmm. So I have used my own money um, to fund this business and get it started. And um, Mm -hmm. I've got a family of six and a dog and I'm just doing what I think is the right thing to do, but I'm trying Mm -hmm. to not rely on the big system. I'm trying to just, Just do the right thing, and I think God will open the right doors at the right time.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, everything is a God thing when you boil it down. Yep. So you'll know. All right, well, it's super exciting that you're doing what you're doing. I mean, um, we just want to let everybody know, and uh, I think it's going to lead to things that aren't even imaginable at this point. So.
3: I hope
2: so. I'm praying for all of your listeners, um, and just just have a lot of hope. And reach out to us if you need an advocate.
1: Okay, I would advise that too, and we'll post your uh, information. And maybe if you have a banner or something, uh, would go on a computer page. We could put up a free ad or something to send people toward you.
2: Absolutely,
1: Uh, that would be good. Okay, hold on, and we'll say goodbye in the break here. Just a minute. All right, you guys, that was Priscilla Romans, with the founder of Graith Care. I'm just really impressed with what they're doing. She's totally devoted her life to serving a really important need of people in the medical system who are about to get into it or who have gotten into it and then are out and not knowing what their options are and not having a good understanding of how health and disease work and and what things you can do yourself even if you don't have an advanced uh background or degree and she's giving people self-reliance and empowerment and I just think it's 100% great so um as i said in the beginning uh, we saw on alex jones is uh, alex is doing incredible work for which he's being punished now and everybody needs to be supporting uh, Infowars and Alex Jones and, uh, getting things that you would want to buy elsewhere there if you can, Infowarsstore.com. And I know a lot of people will attack us for that, but it's true. And, uh, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything a person says, but he's doing, uh, such incredible, courageous, honest work. It's amazing. And that's where I saw, uh, Priscilla Romans, but she was on for a relatively short time and interrupted by commercial breaks, and we're not using commercials on this show. So I wanted her to get into more depth and uh, be able to say as much as she wanted to about the service that she started. Um, I did not get to ask her about uh, what to do to sign up as a potential person for her to hire. You know, if you had a great background, understood things beyond the allopathic realm, but a strong allopathic background too, and you wanted to work for Gravecare. Care, uh, if that was me, I'd be in, getting in touch with them. And she said to email them, I guess there's a contact form on the site, graithcare.com, G-R-A-I-T-H care.com, and use the contact form, get a hold of Priscilla. And eventually I see, um, as long as she survives the attacks, it's going to get really big, and she's going to need a lot of extraordinary people working as advocates so that could be uh, emerging as part of the new civilization where people actually care about each other and are working for their own benefit and everybody else's at the same time. So I just really appreciate what Priscilla is doing. I hope this video gets out to as many people as possible and that you'll share it widely. Um, As always, stay in touch with us at lostartsradio.com. And as Priscilla agreed, which was kind of a fun thing for me, she agreed that this is a frequency and consciousness issue. And no matter what belief system you have on the intellectual level, when you get down to living up to what you believe rather than just say, look, this is what I believe, everybody else has to agree with me, becoming the good part of what you believe and then sharing it just by your presence is the most powerful that I've ever encountered from people that do that and they're greatly appreciated and they change, they change your life just by being in connection with you and they can do it at a distance. So I think ultimately in response to the evil that's happening in the outside world right now and the plan of the global rulers who are above the level of government whose names you have not heard, um, that it seems clear to me after a lot of investigation that they're after total destruction and extermination of life. They have the opposite uh, belief system to a pro-life attitude. And um, they're very well entrenched. They've gotten into almost every position, power position, in governments and corporations around the world at this point. So I don't see some kind of violence or force as being what's going to help. I mean, that usually, even if the the force is initiated with really good thoughts behind it, it, up to now in history, it's kept the same cycle going of one side killing the other, and then they get revenge and kill the first side, and the people remain in slavery, which is not a great option. So, I think what Priscilla talked about in terms of frequency and consciousness change is not only essential, it's the one unlimited factor that could turn around not only the effects of the shot, but the effects of the crackdown on life. So, I encourage you to start by becoming aware of the frequency that you're carrying around. It's a real thing. It's not a belief. It's actually happening, and just like a a cell tower, you can't see it projecting 5G frequency, but it's real, and it's affecting all life forms down to the bacteria and uh, trees and humans and animals and birds and everything. Well, so is the frequency that we're broadcasting every day, and you're doing it right now. And it depends on how focused you are, how relaxed you are to let it flow through and what the emotion is. And this is the same thing that's being used at a very high level to put fear into the atmosphere of our planet, you know, beyond just the physical gases that are in the atmosphere. And people are picking this up without being conscious that it's uh, even a possibility. And the good thing is that you can use this on the opposite side to put grace, and I guess grace, and Love and compassion and caring for others as if they're you, which they are. Um, And clarity and self-empowerment, all those have frequencies, just like Priscilla was talking about. And as long as you're projecting those now and all the time, day and night, might as well become aware of which ones you're transmitting and make sure it's the ones you want and then making those stronger. There are ways to do that. That's what we're involved in, in Planetary Healing Club, which you're welcome to join us if you want to do it that way or work on your own. You don't need anybody. It's just a supportive environment that's directed that we've uh, set up at planetaryhealingclub.com, so you're invited to that. Um, there's also a lot of free content on post uh, posted as often as we can, and the Voice in the Wilderness videos are coming out fairly frequently at the moment. Um, So hopefully you benefit and give us feedback of what you'd like to see addressed in the Planetary Healing Club meetings or in the uh, Voice in the Wilderness videos, uh, guest ideas, general feedback, questions. We may not have time to respond to all of them and I really apologize for not responding to every email I want to, but I'm running out of time most days. But give us the feedback. We look at all of it. If you have resources and want to keep us on the air, we do take donations at allstartsradio.com. Donate button near the top of the page. And there's a subscribe star button that does the same thing. Uh, they're both good. And we need to keep going and we're not doing the commercials. So that's very helpful. And those of you who are doing that, uh, you're deeply appreciated. So thank you. Main message is beyond donating to anything, take care of yourself because what you become is transmitted automatically and affects the whole world. So it's really true. It's not a belief. It's happening. Take advantage of it. And we'll see you here next time.
4: Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program Offering 10 different giving levels, starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level. From extra monthly interview videos not available publicly, to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month. To private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs. To tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on Big Tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com/slash lost arts radio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the banned ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum, as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with.
0: choose how we we'll